Hallelujah. I'm like, does everybody's got coffee breath? So um, that's, that's another good thing. Um, and then uh, w- yesterday I told you that, if you were here yesterday, I told you that um, that one of the towns that we frequented, we lived in Bandar Lampung, but just south of Bandar Lampung was Kalianda, where we used to frequent quite often. We would go to the beach there. Our kids would stay in a little stilted house. It was fun. We had church planters that we recruited to be there and live in Kalianda, and they, um, they, were, they are still there working. And I didn't know what was going on yesterday due to the tsunami, but I got word this morning and, uh, that uh, Tommy, who I had recruited as a church planter, and another guy named John, and uh, another girl named Ririn, she is, uh, they're all doing well. They're not, they weren't affected. And the weird thing is that about two years after I left, they built a clinic. And the clinic is still standing. Everything else around it is demolished. And so the clinic is up and going. Ririn is there. She is uh, receiving all the pregnant women uh, and, and other people that have been injured. And they're counseling people and loving on them and giving them care and all that kind of stuff. And Tommy and Johnny are going out to... Uh, uh, one of the hard-hit places and to see what they can do. So uh, be praying for them. And also just be praying for our, our neighbor, Keith Swift, a uh, uh, fellow motorcyclist, uh, had a motorcycle accident, hit a deer on 476 or 76, I'm not sure. He's one of our neighbors, um, pretty bad. He's in the hospital over the Christmas season. So if you, if you think about it, th- think about uh, Keith and Bianca and just pray for them. They've got a little little girl as well, so... Um, this is going to be the absolute shortest sermon you've ever heard at 6-8. You don't have to applaud. Come on. <laughs> but let me just pray us into this. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that you are alive and well right here, that, that you have met us tonight in this space, in this place, and with these people all together as your children. We love you. We are so excited for the Christmas season. We're so excited for these children. We're so excited for everything that you're, that you're doing. And uh, we just pray that you would speak well tonight, not only to us as adults, but all these beautiful kids in this room. And we, um, we pray that everything would go smoothly and we'd have a time with our families. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, so we've been in this Christmas series uh, called Humble King which came, comes to a close next Sunday. It's the last, last Sunday of this series. And, um, and I, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, the paradox of the humble king really does fall with power on all of our lives. We see in this whole time, this whole season, that humility and power coexist in the same person, the person of Jesus Christ, an infant who grew into carpenter, declared to be King of kings and Lord of lords in the world, right? And centering our series on Philippians 2, 1 through 11, we again are not going to read the whole thing tonight, but we're going to hone in on verses 8 through 11, which say this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a good one. You know, as we noted 
in the very first sermon in this series, the word humility is derived from the word humus, which means of the ground, of the earth, right? That's kind of a nice thought. Why would God choose to reveal Himself in such a grounded, humble, vulnerable, earthy, and indisputably normal way? Right? God incarnated as a man. Come as a baby. Well, maybe that's because heaven's a place for the humble. Right? Christmas morning, if it's any- when you wake up tomorrow, you might think about this. If it's anything, it's a celebration of heaven and earth as they intersect in a certain time and a certain place. At this intersection, there's a baby that is born, and that's what we're celebrating today. The flesh and blood nexus between God, uh, the, the place that God dwells, heaven, and the place that we dwell here on earth. And the worlds of spirit and nature come together in a very, very concrete way in Christmas. Now, if humanity, in humanity's mind, uh, there's an imaginary line that, that has been drawn disregarding uh, the spiritual nature of the universe, of, of the human condition, right? And the spiritual reality in which we live. We've drawn that line. We don't think about those things. We often don't, we often only think in terms of nature, what we can see, what we can taste, what we can touch, what we can feel, what we can observe, and all that kind of stuff. What we can see with the naked eye, and not the divine, and not the spiritual. We don't think about those things too much. In Jesus, divinity becomes flesh. Divinity becomes flesh. Embraceable, knowable, real and down to earth. And it occurred to me that maybe God knew that we wouldn't listen without this physically tangible, earthy person with whom we can interact. The person whom history could see being born, watch him live his life out, watch him suffer, watch him die, and then rise from the grave. For believers then and today, Right now, the uniqueness of the one-of-a-kind child goes far beyond hair color and facial features or genetics or anything like that. It goes way beyond that. The child Jesus embodied the essential character of God, the essential design of the human being as well. He was God and man wrapped up into one. That's the unique aspect of Christmas. This brings us really to the most powerful truth of all that we can think on, that God comes to us in this humble, in, this, in the small, in the meek, in the invisible almost, right? In, in the virtually nothing, mostly nowhere, to show us how greatness and how love and how success and how family and how community and how healing and how hope and how peace and all that stuff and all meaningful life actually work themselves out. If heaven's a place for the humble, it's also a place for the weak, right? We can't read the Christmas story without realizing how very weak and vulnerable God's great gift to the world actually is. Kings and mighty leaders 
who hold military power and control the masses and the economic purse strings of, of whole people groups, right, will be after this baby's soft, pudgy frame. His mother and father on the run, vulnerable and helpless as they seek to protect their child from those who would seek his life. Think about that. And as for defending himself, a baby can only smile and gurgle at any threat that's made to it. And the infant Christ was no exception. Right? Moms and dads, I'm almost done. (laughs) In coming to us this way, God is showing that he loves weakness. He loves weakness. Have you ever lost power or control or the ability to support your own life? Have you ever felt out of control? Then take heart because God loves to work in that weakness. You're in a good place at that moment. Because vulnerability ushers us into the presence of God. It makes us real. If it's a place for the humble, if it's a place for the weak, then heaven is also a place for the helpless. Blessed are the helpless, he says, right? He knows what it's like to be helpless. Blessed are those that are forgotten, he says, because he knows what it's like to be forgotten. Blessed are those who can't lift their hand to their mouth or who are too ashamed to answer the phone or who can't get a new job. Blessed are those who can't get out of bed due to depression. Desperation is actually a doorway for the king of the helpless, right? Blessed are you when you are helpless. Because it's in that moment which you can take the opportunity to learn to be loved by God. And He wants so desperately to love you. This Christmas day is a day to meditate on the God who challenges every power structure of this world by His humility. God coming in the virtually nothing and the mostly nowhere. No king, no queen, no president, no prime minister, no celebrity has ever made, uh, been able to leave their mark on the world, a kind of a mark on the world, that this small infant born homeless in this ancient land of Palestine did. The high king of heaven has endorsed the state of dep- desperation in humanity by His very coming into the world in such a humble way. And if you are in this place tonight, I really truly believe to you, He reaches out His hand. And if you've never touched that before, if you've never felt that touch of God, I hope you do tonight. This Christmas, as one year closes and a new one begins, it's the hand of the humble which can reach out and take God's once again. It really is. Thomas Merton once said, pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. Isn't that true? Pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. So real, earthy, vulnerable people with nothing to hide from a real, earthy God, a humble King of Heaven, trust, believe, humble yourself, And do it all before the King of Heaven who says to you that He loves you and holds your future in His hands. That was short. Amen. Yeah. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank You for tonight. And we pray especially for all.
our children as they are going to make their way up here in a minute. We pray that you would bless their lives, that you would bless their hearts, that you would bless their minds, and that you would protect them from anything that would seek to destroy them or harm them irreparably. We pray that you would not protect them from those things that would spur them on to growth, that you would give them maturity as they grow, that you would make them strong. We remember you as a baby, and now we think about all these little children as they come forward. Father, we thank you for this. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, We are going to pass the tithe boxes on the front row.